Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cyphers Theatre Podcast, which is a podcast for university students and recent graduates who are interested in pursuing a career in theatre. My name's Will Hollyhead, I'm one of the co-artistic directors of Cyphers. And I'm Marcus Baisley, co-founder and one of the other co-artistic directors. This this week's strange because we haven't got a guest, it's just the two of us. Um, we had our session last week with Kat Roby, who's a director, and we thought, well, we're both directors and we've had different paths and different routes, so we should have a chat to ourselves. Uh, so this is us giving our thoughts and our experiences and our advice to emerging directors. So university, shall we roll the clock back to when we were when we were young and yeah what what did we do and what what did we get out of it I suppose what what would we advise doing while you're there yeah uh well I didn't know I wanted to be a director at university that's maybe the first thing to highlight mm-hmm. um so I just acted in a lot of plays mostly it was very fun um though I do I did direct one play the bow stratagem but actually, it was interesting because I did probably enjoy that more than than acting. But I suppose the thing was, and I presume still is with university drama, is that, you know, well, it, it's like the profession in many ways. It's obviously out of your hands in some ways, whether you get into a play or not. But... Um, having done both jobs, I can say that acting is much easier than directing <laughs> in terms of, um, not in terms of the skills, but in terms of the amount of time that you have to put in before you even step into the room, yeah. especially if you're an actor like me who thinks that learning lines is optional. <laughs> yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, at least as an actor. And I, I think this is the same for me. I, I only directed one show at university, which is partly because it was just way less effort to just rock up and enjoy acting for a few hours in the evening and than it was to go through the whole rigmarole of putting on a show (laughs) well because also in some ways it's even more difficult at university or at least it was for me because I didn't come from any kind of background of really having a living clue what theatre was or how it was made so I kind of um I'd be so interested to remember my mindset of why I decided to do it or to pitch to do it. I honestly Mm. can't remember what was I thinking. Um, I think it was something in just wanting to try something new because to me, I mean, part of why I wanted to go to King's was because it was in London and it was new and it was this idea of wanting to try as many new things as possible it's quite quite good looking back because I, I suppose that's not a given that you go into that environment mm. with that attitude. So I'm I'm glad and very lucky that I was was in that mindset. That's I think. quite. I think that's quite interesting because I went in. I mean, I basically went to university knowing I wanted to work in theatre. Um, I was fairly lucky in that. Uh, I had an opportunity to spend a bit of time in a professional rehearsal room before going to university. So in my year before, uh, bef- this makes it sound like I did a kind of nice gap year. I basically just took a year out because I didn't get into the universities I wanted to get into. <laughs> so I took a year and my um, my 
uh, great uncle uh, was the former head of acting at RADA. Um, and basically my mum kind of said, well, you should send him a message and see if he's got anything going. Um, and this this is where obviously nepotism does come in to some extent. But he didn't really know me at that point, to be fair. <laughs> just, <laughs> just some Very distant relative. Unknown relative. Um, and it's just kind of, he was basically, he was directing uh, for RADA Enterprises. Um, they had a project where they would take some graduates graduate actors um a group of them and put them on a the cunard ships so the big cruise ships the queen mary 2 and they would do two 60 minute classic plays so like a shakespeare and importance being earnest say um and i just basically sat in in the room and helped um what you might now say as a sort of mix of assistant director and deputy stage manager um which i you know looking back was an amazing it was just, it was incredible, actually. I learned so much from that that's still really influential today. Um, but I, I think it did, the, I remember the stage manager talking to me at that point, because I still wanted to be an actor then. Mainly because, like all of us, I don't think you know that there's anything else at that age. Um, and she just said to me, well, go to university, get the acting bug out of your system, and then become a director. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened <laughs> she hypnotized you yeah but but I, yeah i was going wanting to go into theater afterwards that's interesting actually because the thing that the biggest thing as i say that i learned from doing the show that i directed at university that i didn't expect was all of the kind of backstagey stuff the, the kind of things that once you realize them you're your logic brain says how were you ever so dumb as to not just work that out like for instance when we did the um the kind of get in which i found out was a thing um and the the tech and the dress rehearsal at the theater um it was quite a big theater that we were doing this in and there was kind of two days set aside by the kind of schedule of this student theater at king's the greenwood theater um for the whole process of getting the show in and up and on but I'd called the actors for the beginning of it, <laughs> thinking <laughs> that the process of getting all the setup and I thought, you know, lighting and kind of just would be turning them on. But I never realised that someone had to climb up a ladder and put the lights up there in the, and, first, yeah, place put them in the first place and move them, point and them in the right them. direction. Yeah. But so I suppose that's, that's a really good thing then is sort of going, well, actually, your time at university is an opportunity to get things wrong and learn things and try things out and go, you know what, I'm going to direct this. You know, I don't know if directing is for me, but I'll try directing something and see what happens. And I'll learn something through doing that. And I might completely balls it up. Um, but that what you learn from that could be really useful down the line. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I do actually remember when I was thinking about what I wanted to do was to do something with lots of people in because I thought that would be a good way of getting people to vote for it, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which worked. Um, But actually, that meant that I got the opportunity to direct a really big show, which is not something you can do after you've left. Even if you do have the means to put something on on the fringe, you yeah. can't, and I, I do remember at the time 
I look back at it with smugness now, but at the time I just thought that people were being pretentious, which in fairness they weren't. People saying, oh, the Greenwoods, uh, it's not a very cool venue, I'm going to go and do mine at the rag factory in Shoreditch. Oh. And I was like, why would you Why would you do that? <laughs> and that's not to knock that, and people made some probably shows of much higher artistic value than the like, restoration romp, which I reset in a kind of um, made-in-Chelsea-esque world, which I put on the Greenwoods, you know. It's not going to get Arts Council funding that, but it was fun. And, it, you know, I, I just... Don't don't knock the resources you've, you've got because they're not cool. <laughs> it's funny, actually, because I, I think, I don't know for certain, I think I might have been the first person to do a show at the Rag Factory. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really interesting the, the way you talk about it and it shows how things pass on because I only did it because uh, there were no slots left at any of the venues at King's. Oh. So I was forced to go rogue and do it outside so i um i think i'd done some something i'd done some rehearsals for something at the rag factory unconnected like uh, that was unconnected to kings it was separate to that and i just knew there was a studio that was relatively cheap and would work for the show that i was doing so i just booked i booked that and so it's quite interesting actually looking back on it i go most of what i did coming out of university was just finding stuff and putting stuff on Actually, that is what I was forced to do in my second year at university, just by virtue of the fact that there was the, the scheduling didn't work and I didn't actually have a, I didn't have a producer attached to my show, so I was having to do it all myself. I didn't have, um, I didn't know what the scheduling was on the, on all the spaces. So I ended up missing out on any of the main theatre spaces. So I just went off and went, well, where can I put a show on in London? Yeah, interesting. I suppose the the bit of advice that covers both those stories is the kind of trying something new, isn't it? And you taking a risk doing going into the unknown. Um, yeah, that's probably better advice yeah. than mine of don't follow the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you glad you went to university in terms of being a director now, not just like the extracurricular um, student drama stuff you did but doing actually doing a degree yes I am um I think there's there definitely I would be lying if I said there weren't times where I look back and go I wonder what life would be like if I had say gone, gone all in on trying to audition for drama schools um for example which I never really properly gave a go but on the whole I am really glad I went particularly you know at the time I genuinely was interested in history I still am interested in history and I really enjoyed studying it and I got a lot out of that and in terms of skills that I use a lot now I use a lot of synthesizing ideas summarizing things grouping things together so just you know simply the act of reading a new play and having a dialogue with a writer and saying well I think the main theme that you're dealing with here is I don't know grief um so let's let's pull that out and let's really work with that and yes there are other things going on but in terms of what to prioritize where to put it structure how to build an argument all of that stuff is actually really fundamental to directing a play or structuring a play and I think I'm only really just appreciating that now how useful that training and learning was 
Um, so yeah, I am glad. Also met great people who are, and also it's nice to have some perspective knowing lots of people who aren't in theatre, I think is great. Um, and I actually find it really useful catching up with friends who are now working in business or are lawyers or accountants because it gives you a grounding and a connection to the real world, which is very, it's very easy to lose that when you're just surrounded by theatre folk. Um, so then, so let's, shall we move forward and then think about what it was like coming out of university because we had two quite different, this is where our paths diverge, I suppose. Yeah, they couldn't be more different because you kind of, well, I think you said afterwards you still weren't sure about directing, but you knew you wanted to go into theatre and you got on with directing. Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting looking back because I kind of, I don't really know at what point I was absolutely set that directing was the right route for me. Um, I think I knew that I felt most... I'd had various points during student drama where um, even though I wasn't the director, I was left in a, I don't know, I was left in a room with actors who I was in a scene with and we just started messing, just tried to get on its feet. And so I think I quite quickly realised that when I felt most comfortable was was actually rehearsing a scene and kind of helping people get the best out, best out of their performance. So I think that it just felt quite natural. We did a show um, that with university we just took a show down to St Ives I don't really know why I didn't produce it but um we took a little company down to St Ives and did production of Tamey the Shrew down there and through that I met Victoria who we just got on well and we went well we have a similar idea about theatre why don't we start putting on some plays together um and that was how Cyphers was formed basically um so and then I, I kind of had ideas of just the type of theatre that I wanted to make that was about, that was very actor focused and didn't involve much tech. And um, and so it just, just turned into get out there and start doing it. Um, finding spaces that might let you put stuff on and then also engaging with um, with other people who were kind of at an early stage. So something that I am really glad I did, and I'm still grateful that I did, was find opportunities to do new writing nights. Um, so new writing nights are brilliant because when you're, certainly when you're at an early stage, there's you know no money involved, but basically you're, there are loads of companies that do them. I started doing them with Blackshaw. Um, and basically the company will get sent a loads of, load of extracts of, new pieces of new writing new scripts and normally you just kind of get randomly paired up with a writer as a director uh if you're lucky the company also just throws some actors your way so you don't have to worry about casting it either you just literally get confronted with here's the actors you're working with here's a script find a space and go and do it and it's like a 10 minute piece 10 minute extract and you'll probably present it above a pub one evening and what's great about it is that you meet loads of people like you meet writers you meet actors um you meet companies um and i'm now i still work with people i did those with so so that was a really great experience and i think gives you a network straight away which i think is often something that people struggle with you go well how do i get going what where do i start finding new writing nights are a great way of finding people you can collaborate with but you took a different route <laughs> i did 
Well, it's it's your fault, really. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you once you'd formed Cyphers, the first thing you did, it was, you know, to do a kind of half professional, half student show um, whereby you got a couple of student actors and also then were able to use um, King's space to rehearse. Which it was, it was genuinely not many things are win-win in life for everybody, but that really <laughs> was. Um, so that kind of made me think, oh, I, I am a professional actor, <laughs> so therefore I'm. It's a as with all things in life, virtues are flaws, and my flaw is that I, I not only don't give up on things, but I also sometimes don't step back from things. Um, and I kind of keep going like a bull in a china shop. Um, and in that case, I don't regret that. But in hindsight, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. But because I I, I threw myself at it to some extent, um, in that I did all of the usual classic jobbing actor stuff of not doing much acting and working in call centre for ages and handing out um, magazines outside Baker Street Tube Station in minus three degrees. So I did that for a year or so because um, I'd applied to drama school at the end of my last year at King's off the back of doing those two things with ciphers and unsurprisingly didn't get in because I didn't... I took the sensible decision to actually spend time writing my dissertation and trying to get my degree yeah. <laughs> rather than and you were, doing that, it yet. that was as I'm trying to get in as an actor wasn't it yeah yeah that was applying to get in as an actor but yeah then that next year I kind of spent trying to be an actor but in hindsight I didn't really try that hard <laughs> um I didn't do I did one or two other things which weren't ciphers related in some way shape or form but they kind of more came to me than me finding them out. And then I decided that I wanted to do... I still thought I wanted to be an actor, but I wanted to do a job that was the money job, in inverted commas. Acting should be a money job, shouldn't it? Because it's a job. That's yep. what a job's supposed to mean. Um, but I wanted to do something a little bit uh, more fulfilling, I suppose, yeah for want of a better word than trying to sell life insurance to people who didn't want it. Um, but I got into teaching assisting because Chris Anderton, actually, who'd been in Henry V, had been doing that and he suggested it to me. And he probably got like a referral fee for getting <laughs> me into his agency or something. Um, but I went off and quite soon I went to a couple of places just kind of for a day at a time but then ended up in this school that kind of I enjoyed it at first and then they offered me a full-time job for double the money that I was getting so I was like yep (laughs) Um, but with the kind of gentleman's agreement that I was going to apply to drama school again because that was my thinking then was Jesus, why did I bother applying at the end of the university? Because I wouldn't have been able to afford it anyway. But then I was like, oh, I'm getting actually very well paid because I was working in Lambeth. So even though I was only a teaching assistant, teaching assistants are very important. But because it's in a London, it's the highest pay grade within teaching. There's a trick for anyone who wants to go into <laughs> teaching. It's a lot harder work, but you get paid more money. Um, but yeah, with the gentleman's agreement that I could have... I could keep 
uh, some of the flexibility that I'd had from being with an agency, I said, I don't want to like go off and audition for stuff like I've maybe wanted to do before. I want to be here so I can save up the money to hopefully, you know, go to drama school at the end of this year. Um, but I, I would still need the flexibility come whatever time I'm auditioning to, to not have you turning around and say, oh no, you've got a contract. And they agreed to that. It was really good of them. Um, so yeah, I did that for that year and that was such a, a good experience in hindsight, a really tough experience. I ended up being there for two years um, because I didn't get, I got, I put much more effort into trying to get into drama school that second time, which was a few years after the first go. Um, and I got a lot closer, but I didn't, didn't quite get in. In fact, it's true. I've regaled you a number of times of when in my, the interview in the final round at Lambda, I said in as many words that I didn't really like acting. Um, <laughs> that's, there's the final nail. I wasn't going to get in anywhere. I don't think because I was quite good in the workshoppy bits. Um, but my monologues I'd say were below par. Um, but Definitely, if I wasn't going to get in before saying that I didn't want to be an actor, I think I definitely <laughs> would put that to bed with that those fateful words. But it was the, it was the best thing that happened in a way because it. Then I was like, right, well, I kind of I'd got so far that I knew if I wasn't getting in, then I I wasn't getting in, mm. especially because as I say through the process, I did kind of realise that I didn't really want that. Yeah. Um. So then I stayed another year at, at that school, which was probably more challenging because it didn't have, it was that didn't bit less purposeful. End, it yeah, it didn't have an end point to it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I had to just think about actually educating the children, God forbid. <laughs> um, but that was, and it was different as well because the challenges I faced in the first year there were quite the positive challenges that you would associate with teaching, like... I did a lot of work with um, children who had autism and I taught for a bit in reception, which, you know, I never thought I would have done. Like, But in the, in the second year, the challenges I faced were more kind of um, HR-y and Political. the politics. Yeah, precisely, which no, one, no one's going to get anything out of that, are they? Um, but actually, in hindsight, at the time, I and the few years afterwards, I looked back at it as kind of, the worst year of my life um and there were various other things going on in my life which made that year really cruddy but that's been the most formative thing that ever happened to me it gave me such a sense of perspective in so many ways that I can't even begin to to describe compared to anything that I'd witnessed seen experienced before towards the end of that I always try to tell this story quickly but I just ramble on because it's is not straightforward. I was about to go back to King's because I got a place to go back and do a war studies masters because that's my other great passion in life, <laughs> theatre and war. I should be like ancient Greek or something, shouldn't I? Um, but at the 11th hour, I just had this, I don't know what it was. It must have just been some... <laughs> Some some epiphany or something. Um, of now, I applied to go to Mount View um, to do the directing course there, and I went in for my interview with Peter James, who runs the course. Who's like 
he just turned 80 in August. Um, and this was a few years ago. So he's in his mid late seventies. Um, like very big person within the theater and it's got a presence to him. Really lovely bloke. Um, but anyway, the interview went very well and him not really giving a damn about any kind of process, essentially kind of half implied even there that he was going to offer me a place. And then I said, which I never would have done before, had the confidence to do this. I asked him, oh, when are you putting the cohort together? When should I expect to hear? And this was at the end of May. Mm. And he said something like late June or July or something. And I kind of, this is the closest I've ever been to having an out-of-body experience because I kind of left my body and witnessed myself saying, oh, well, I've got to get back to King's um, because I've got this offer to do uh, military history there. I've got to get back to them in two days' time, so you'll have to let me know tomorrow. (laughs) 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 It's like, what? (laughs) Um, And he did let me know tomorrow and it was, uh, I got on. But yeah, that was the, the thing was... As I say, that's the key thing I took out of that was it was the things that if I were to select the things in my life that have been the most important, they were the things that were the most unpleasant and the things that I never planned to do. Mm. Um, Working in a call centre for 11 months, not cold calling technically, though essentially it was, um, people gave me skills which are actually really useful (laughs) um working in um because if you can cold call someone to sell life insurance you can get over sending a director a letter to say can we meet for a coffee Um, there's something useful in in this about remembering you know let's not there's there's no point beating about the bushes where you're not going to come out of university and get get a job as a director and earn a salary that's never never going to happen no Um, absolutely not and if people were to say if people were to look at, say, my CV, for example, and compare it to that story I've just told, it doesn't tell that story. <laughs> yeah, and and it doesn't tell, you know, my CV doesn't tell the story of spending hours doing sports coaching in primary schools and at cricket clubs and rugby clubs. Uh, it, and, but again, you you learn a huge amount from doing those jobs. And, and essentially, you know, coaching is exactly the same skill set as directing, I think, Um your, uh, you know, you set up exercises, you analyze those exercises, you give people encouragement, you give people advice, you analyze their technique, see how they can do it better. It's very, very similar. Um, and, and I don't know, again, I don't know if I realized that at the time, but it was, it was usually fulfilling doing that work. Um, so yeah, I think also it's not doing other work is not a failure as a director. It's actually it can be helpful. It can not just financially, but it also helps the way you work, the way you operate, um, the skills you have and the ability you have to make more theatre work down the line. A question that a lot of people will have coming out of university, if they know they want to be a director, is about whether I do a master's in directing or not. Um, You ended up doing one. Uh, I didn't do one. Um, And it's really, I mean, it's kind of, I suppose it's horses for courses, really. It's it's being true to yourself. And um, and also, I think, as you, again, are a perfect example of, and actually Kat Roby was last week as well, you don't have to make that decision straight away. It, it feels like you have to make that decision as soon as you come out of university. But actually, you can have a few years, 
doing other jobs, trying to, you know, doing new writing nights, setting up a theatre company, doing some stuff on the fringe, and then go, you know what, I want to do a master's, and you can go and do it then. Yeah, totally. Well, I think Kat said, didn't she, she was 25, 26 mm. when she yeah. went, and I was, 20, I was 25. Um, so, you know, we both had a good four or five years ish out out of university in the real world in some way shape or form and and the flip side of that is in the same way that you don't have to get on with it you don't have to not get on with it either because different people have had different experiences in their life and there's nothing wrong with knowing exactly what you want to do some people genuinely know what they want to do when they're 16 um yeah and so it's it's about just trusting and almost like if it feels like it's not right, it probably won't happen anyway. So I wouldn't. Mm. It's so competitive to get into these courses that I think it's highly unlikely that if you're applying at the wrong time that you're going to get in anyway. So and the good thing about the directing ones is uh, you don't have to pay anything to apply. Um, it's also. I suppose it's worth remembering that you can contact course directors and have a chat and get a sense of whether you're a good fit, whether they're or whether they're right for you. I think that's the thing. When I went to this interview to say at Mountview, I have never in my life before or since had such a sense of this is right. And I can't put, that sounds really profound. (laughs) Um, And maybe I was just tired or something, but I genuinely never before, never since have I sat down, especially in that kind of interview environment and just felt this is just very natural. I'm just being myself. I'm just being honest here. And this sounds bang on for what I think I need right now. So a lot of this is actually saying... um don't panic trust almost trust that things will work out um i remember being told quite early on by uh, by a director it's a, it's a marathon not a sprint and i have to remind myself of that regularly um because it is a marathon um it really is and you have to keep you are just keeping on going basically and and a lot of the time it's if you can keep going longer than other people then you'll get work um so so it is actually yeah you don't have to make that decision straight away go with your instincts if you want to apply and you don't get in that doesn't mean that you can't be a director or you shouldn't be a director it just means that maybe that wasn't the right path for you try and do something else get some life experience set get some friends together and put on a show um there are things you can do and just trust your instincts on it yeah, totally. I mean, to tackle the question a bit more acutely of the the pros and cons, well, not cons of training, I don't think there, there's cons. the financial per se. side is the con, really. Yeah, that, that's the con. Um, and again, that's where it helps if I'm, I'm, I might have been able to find a way by hook or by crook if I'd have got in earlier. But actually, <laughs> because I've been aggressively saving up a year or two beforehand to mm. try and get into something. I was then actually in a very comfortable position comparatively by the time I got in because I was a bit late. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that again, that that's that can be another good side of waiting is 
it's saving up money. And then even if you don't get in, you've got some money saved up. Yeah. <laughs> and you still got it. So. And I think, I think the only other... I mean, I think the reason why I didn't go and continued have continued not to go is that I think I think I sort of rebel against structure a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, we've often said this, haven't we? Is we're quite different from that point of view. We have many similarities. But I reckon if you met you and I, you'd probably think I was the rebellious crazy one. But actually my rebelliousness needs to operate within a very nice rigid structure. <laughs> um, whereas... I'm a bit more... Yeah, you're right, actually. You would think that I'm very I'm very diplomatic and structured and ordered, and actually I have quite an anarchic streak, um, quite anti-establishment in a way, that like, if I can find my... Basically, if I can find my own way of doing it, I will. Um, and, and, and there are other people like that, and, I, and if that feels right to you then go for it and and I think I suppose that sort of leads on to well if you don't go to drama school what are your other options like what how what else can you do um so obviously there's there's ideas of setting up a company which we'll do an episode on later in the series um and like I said just getting out and and doing new writing nights and putting projects together but there are other the other things other organizations that where you're not sort of locked into a structure or paying money, but they can give you access to workshops and training opportunities. The big one for me was the JMK Trust, which is well worth looking up. They do a lot of regional-based stuff. At the moment, they're doing loads on Zoom as well. So you can actually just sign up and and be part of a workshop. Um, And they there's the JMK Awards, which is what it's sort of known for, which is a fairly lengthy application process and then you get to put on a show at the end of it. But there's also a lot of regional programs of workshops and then also opportunities to assist in regional shows. And I got one of those at the Salisbury Playhouse um, Christmas before last, um, which is a fantastic opportunity to work in in a regional theatre venue. Um, but yeah, like get involved in those places. The Young Vic directors networks another one where there's loads of workshops that you can get involved in and again they're basically all on zoom now so it's a great way from the comfort of your own home getting directing training so the big thing another thing i'd say about training or not training is i again because i I hadn't been as exposed to theater Mm. um, in many ways i genuinely wanted to go into a drama school environment for that amount of time and just drown in the world. Um, so say if you compare the Mountview and Birkbeck um, MAs, as I understand it, both from what Kat said and from what I know of other people who've done it, is it's more, uh, I suppose, about the craft of directing mm. in the first year. You, I think you go to a drama school, but it's very much a year about what is directing, um, both artistic and practically. And then in the second year, you go and you work in a building. At Mountview, it's a drama school course. So you're getting, you're at drama school. So you have the same vibe as if you were there as an actor in the sense that it becomes your home, I suppose. And you you, you become a, you know, an alumni of, of that school in with that same kind of connection and that same family aspect to it. Um, and it's kind of, it's got links to the industry, the course, because um, 
lots of fantastic industry people like Ned Bennett and Rebecca Frecknell and all sorts of others come in and teach um, on the directing course. Um, but then you also get to work with the directors who are coming in to direct the actors on the undergraduate courses and the postgraduate acting courses. Mm. Um, so I was really... Um, I always get told off um, by my mentors when I use the word lucky because they tell me I'm not lucky, but they're wrong, I am lucky. Um, but with the people who I got to come into contact with in that one-on-one way, um, um, working on those projects with the acting students because I've continued to keep in touch with them and whether it's been assisting them professionally or just you know talking to them every six months they're equally fantastic resources for me and my career all of them as well as good friends um and I think that's I say that to give it as a a virtue of of doing the course I did but also that is something that you can in a way replicate um because if you send a letter to someone you'll you might get to meet them um Mm -hmm. if you go and do a workshop you might click with the person who's leading the workshop and then if you send them an email or a letter, the relationship might go further. And I suppose that this is all showing, I think, the from the outside, as it were, theatre can feel like a bit of a closed shop. And we talk a lot about gatekeepers and those sort of things. And and yes, they do exist to an extent. But the, the flip side of that is actually particularly directors... I think because they know how tough it is, they're very happy to talk. Um, and and I think something I would say, I mean, this is something for me looking back, um, I kind of wish I'd been a bit less, I suppose, uh, stubborn and self-driven um, and gone, actually, I am going to try and, I'm going to send more letters and I'm going to try and meet more people for coffee and uh, try and get more uh, assisting opportunities in that way because actually in my experience people are really happy to talk um and also you don't have to just be writing to the to the top you know you don't have to just be writing to um i don't know michael marion elliott marion elliott michael grandage katie mitchell like you don't you by all means do um but you can also go well actually what are some more emerging theatre companies that are making work like I want to make or are making work on the scale that I think in a couple of years I could be doing? You know, you, directors aren't getting letters all the time saying, I'm a young director, I really am really interested in your work, I really like what you do, I want to learn about this or I, uh, I feel like I could work well in your environment because of this, this and this. They're not getting those letters on a regular basis. They they are getting some, but they're not getting loads. They're not inundated with them. So why not try it? So that's, I mean, that's certainly something that I wish I'd done sooner, partly because I think it the more you do it, the easier it gets. Is there anything that you, um, anything that you look back that you did do that you're particularly glad and you definitely would do again? I mean, I'm super glad I just set up a company um, and I suppose I'm glad that I 
I mean, I'm lucky in that I had quite a clear idea of the sort of work that I wanted to make. Um, so I could create a kind of company brand or identity around that quite quickly. I don't think that's essential at all. I think you can, you know, just start one show at a time. And even then, you know, we did Henry V. I had no idea that Great Expectations was going to be the second show. That just was decided, you know, within a few months of doing it. So getting on and, and making a show, I said it earlier, the new writing nights, I'm really glad I did. I'd still work with, I mean, the two of the main writers that I've worked with are from that. Um, various actors are from that. So um, that I'm really pleased I did as well. Um, those are the two main things I'm super glad I did. Um, uh, what about you? What are the things that you kind of go oh, I really wish I hadn't done that or I wish I had done that. <laughs> uh, I, I genuinely, um, not because I'm wonderful, but for a ph- philosophical reason, there's there's nothing because I look back on uh, on everything that I've done and as I say, it's all been useful in its own weird or wonderful mm. way. So there's things that I um, maybe look back now and go... Um, I suppose the the opposite of, of with you, I look back and maybe I could go, oh, I wish I'd made more of my own work. But then I'm like, well, I can just do that now. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that is the beauty of directing. It's the, t- it's the challenge, but it's the beauty of it as well, is that it's not a step process. Um, I remember you, I can't remember who said it to you, it's not important. Um, unless they're listening then it's very important um who it was um about directing being a garden rather than a ladder um and i think that was that stuck with me if he's listen if he does listen that was nick partridge who is brilliant nick partridge who is the he does the jmk stuff for the southwest he see does. i even know who he is and what he does um um, and to be fair, I think he stole that from someone else. So, <laughs> well, that's that's the other great thing about directing is everyone steals everything, and it's that's brilliant. Um, but yeah, the idea of it being a garden means that it's not like you know the building blocks idea of education, where you look back and go, "I wish I tried a bit harder in year seven at maths, because then I might be able to understand this complicated algebra." Now, there is no element of that to directing because it's it's not a process that's like a recipe step Mm. one do this step two do that it's it's like the all-in-one method for making a cake it doesn't matter which order you chuck them in as long as they get in there eventually um so that's that's my yeah it's a bit like um i loved what akshay said a few weeks ago um when we talk about acting i think it's exactly the same for directing possibly even more so he talks about just putting sending energy out And that I think is just brilliant advice because as soon as you start to go, directing is as much as it's about the work you make, it's about the connections you're making. Um, So actually going out and talking to people, meeting people, sharing ideas, being generous, um, all of that is just some of the best things that you can do Um, because actually it is that person you had coffee with two years ago who is now doing a show and needs someone to help them that suddenly gets in touch and you go, Oh, I had no idea that was going to be a thing, but that's great. Um, so not underestimating the fact that something, a seemingly small interaction that you have 
now could lead to something brilliant down the line. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally, totally. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that and I hope you found it useful. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to the Cyphers Theatre Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you've got any questions about anything that we've talked about today, then do send them our way on Twitter at Cyphers UK using the hashtag Cyphers Create and we'll make sure to either get back to you or even feature them in another of our podcasts. But anyway, until next time, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.